Welcome to another spectacular word from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Are you ready for the word tonight? All right. Well, uh, let me encourage you to listen closely to the title of the message. Okay? And this is a hook for tonight, but the title of the message is, uh, is a little controversial, perhaps. Uh, yeah. You ready? Saved by works. Woo. Okay. I want you to know that tonight, I believe that you were saved by works. Oh, now, don't shut me down. Stay with me. We're going somewhere, okay? We are headed somewhere, and it's going to be good when we get there. You know, although in reality, I don't necessarily believe that salvation is given to any person because they worked for it, okay? Although we do not really get saved by works, yet it is works that saves us. Wow. If that's not confusing enough, let me tell you, someone worked for your salvation. And most likely, not just one. And most likely, the works that you have been doing in life for Jesus and the works that we do together in reaching out into nation after nation, into our own communities, most likely it's the works that we do that's carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ to people constantly. And people are getting saved, not just eternally saved from the damnation of hell, but also saved and delivered from trouble and trauma, from worry, anxiety, frustration, fear, turmoil in this life. God gave the apostle Paul a primary responsibility. Do you remember what Paul's primary responsibility was? Paul was called by God to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, to evangelize them, and to teach them how to live a life that is pleasing to God. Now, uh, although Paul was fortunate to visit so many places that he ministered to, Yet he only got to spend a very brief time at any one location due to, you know, uh, sometimes it was due to him being run off from that place. Sometimes it was due to the fact that, you know, uh, uh, people didn't like him. He was imprisoned. He was stoned. He was, you know, not wanted there. But many times, I believe, it was because of the hand of God. God was orchestrating something in the apostle Paul's life. God was getting a lot from the apostle Paul in that God was sending the apostle Paul to the next place. Do you remember Jesus was asked by, by people several times, can you stay here with us? Can you teach us? You know, but the Bible says that Jesus told them that, you know, the reason I came is to seek and save the lost. I came for the, for the people who have not yet heard. And that's often what we see in the apostle Paul's life is that he was not just compelled, sometimes he was propelled, but, not, but, but, but you know, compelled to go to the next place, 
to evangelize and to teach. And, and then, as the Apostle Paul planted seeds of the gospel of Jesus Christ in people's lives, churches were raised up. And then later, the Apostle Paul would send people back to visit these churches. He would go himself. He would send other people at times. And he would write letters to encourage them how to live a godly life, how to live a life that's pleasing to Jesus. And each letter that Paul sent was directly inspired and anointed by the Holy Spirit so that the letters that we have today that the Apostle Paul wrote and, and, and you know, that, that we have uh, uh, carried with us through the church age... These letters are the word of Almighty God, inspired and anointed by God. And no word of God is without power. Heaven and earth might pass away, but the word of God will not pass away. And as Paul sent these letters out, he sent them with purpose to speak to a specific people in a specific time. But yet that word means something powerful to us. That same word has been anointed and inspired and preserved for us so that the letters which the Apostle Paul uh, would, would have sent to one church or to another church, contained within that is the heart of God and the mind of Christ and the power of the living creator of the universe released in our lives as those words become rhema to us, become fresh word to us. As we're reading through the word of God, the, the, those words that leap off the page, those, those truths that get down into our heart and, and, and renew our mind and strengthen our spirits, they change our lives as they are intended to. Well, when Paul was directed by God to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to the Gentiles, uh, God directed him at one point to go to Europe so that the gospel of Jesus Christ could be preached on the European continent. He left a little seaport called Troas. And last week, uh, you know, we baptized some people right there at that seaport in the Aegean Sea. And we were looking right across the Aegean Sea. It couldn't have been, I don't know, it couldn't have been but just a few miles. We could see it. I, I think some of us could have swam it right over to Greece. You know, there, look at there. See, see Greece across there? That's a picture of the seaport in Troas. We baptized some people right out there and Right across there is that little uh, island that he stopped at first. And then he sailed the next day from there from, uh, on to uh, uh, Neapolis. And then walked down to Philippi. You may remember that Acts, the 16th chapter, carries that account in record. As Luke researched it and wrote to a man named Theophilus of all that the Holy Spirit continued to do after that Jesus had been raised and seated in heavenly places. Now, in Acts the 16th chapter, uh, you know, uh, we get the account, but, but uh, basically let me tell you, the Apostle Paul went to a town called Philippi, and there through a series of events... He was cast into the deepest, darkest part of the jail, into a dungeon. He was beaten, stripped naked. He was beaten, him and Silas. They were put in stocks, chained, and put into the darkest, deepest part of the prison. And as you know, in the midnight hour, 
the apostle Paul and Silas began to pray and sing praises to God. And the Bible says the prisoners were listening. You know, the prisoners are always listening. Those people that are held captive in chains of sin and sorrow, in hurt and abandonment, in betrayal and in fear and worry, those people that are held captive by Satan's desires, they are always listening. There is an ear in the spirit of man that listens for hope and listens for the spark and the light of God. Never fear that a man or a woman in need cannot hear what you're saying, even though they may not act like it. Yet, there is, there is a piercing of the soul when the Word of God is spoken to a hungry or a hurting person. And when the Apostle Paul and Silas were in prison and the prisoners were listening, and they began in their midnight hour, naked, beaten, in stocks, in darkness, fearing perhaps the next day would bring them more of the same, yet they began to praise the Lord and worship him. And God brought an earthquake to Philippi, and it shook the city, and it shook the jail, and it shook so hard that the prison doors, all the jailhouse doors were opened. And I don't know how it did this. It had to be by angelic assistance, but even the chains fell off the prisoners. Isn't that amazing? And there the apostle Paul and Silas came out to encounter a jailer that was about to kill himself because he would have to pay for the debt of all those prisoners. And there, whenever he saw them, the apostle Paul said, do not harm yourself, we're all here. Now, I could understand Paul and Silas not running from the jail that night, but why didn't all those prisoners take off? Why? Because that same God that had set them free, no doubt it touched their heart. God had a purpose here. No doubt they too, just like the jailer, had a question. And the jailer said, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, believe. You believe upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your whole household will be saved. And it was so. And don't you know they had a revival in the jail that night. So much so that the jailer took Paul and Silas and went and took them home and washed their wounds. And then they were back in jail the next day when the chief magistrates and all the people came to the jail to see them. What a revival. Well, uh, you know, uh, uh, it seems to us that it was a, looking back on it, a very well orchestrated plan by God. But it must have seemed to Paul and Silas and some of the other prisoners like it was a, you know, a play-by-play -play call. You know? But when you walk with God, it's never a play-by-play -play call. God has a purpose and a plan. He knows the end from the beginning. It was a well-orchestrated plan by God that just led through some difficult moments and difficult times. And it ended up changing the lives of so many people. Well, the church started there in Philippi. And we can well imagine that the church started out of, you know, that jailer and his family and Lydia, a woman who had, who had gotten saved and some of her friends. 
and also most likely some of the families of the prisoners because the prisoners were local prisoners, like a county jail, you know, like a city jail. You know, prisoners that would return to the community. Most likely, them and their families also believed and were saved and, and started. And most likely, when they served their time or, or, or paid their debt and they got out, they were probably in the church. So can you imagine that church in Philippi? It must have been a fairly rough and tumble place. It must have been a place of, 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 of you know, filled with, with sinners and former, you know, prisoners and families of people that had seen a life change, had seen a drastic life change in in. in in their family members and most likely they were just you know just very strong church with very strong opinions and very very um, you know strong kind of people well uh, it ends up that Paul had to leave of course and then a few years later perhaps in about AD 62 Paul found himself in prison again he's in jail this time out of his own desire he had appealed to caesar and he had been sent to rome on appeal and while he was on appeal he was a prisoner and he was under guard but he had his own house he was allowed to stay in his own house right there at at the palace area where nero was the emperor of rome but he was allowed to, to have visitors come and stay with him and come and go. And so people from the places that he had preached in the past, you know, from Ephesus and from Colossae and from Philippi and from, you know, uh, you know all these other places, uh, uh, Corinth and Thessalonica, they would come and visit him while he was in jail. And then he would hear of how things were going and he would, you know, send word back. He would send letters back. I mean, it was a very, very productive time in the life of Paul in that prison in Rome. You know, again, orchestrated by God. Perhaps Paul would never have found the time to write the letters that we now have had he not been sequestered. Not, you know, in this period of time he is comfortable in a house he's being held on appeal under guard but in his own house he was in control of the visitors that came and many visitors came and he wrote several letters one letter that he wrote was to the church in philippi to these people you know who who had um, uh, who no doubt many of them had their born again experience from that jailhouse time. Not only was the Apostle Paul there, but Timothy and a few other companions who were allowed to visit him there while he was in prison under house arrest, uh, they also were there. Uh, as I said, it seems to have worked out pretty good for the Apostle Paul and pretty good for us that he was in prison. Isn't that interesting? Uh, you know, the Bible says in, in, in Proverbs, the 16th chapter in verse 9, that a man may ponder his path, but the Lord directs his steps. We might ponder our path. We might, we might decide we're going to go here, go here, do this, do that, you know. But it's the Lord that directs our steps. In fact, in Psalms 37, the Bible says, The steps of a good man are ordered of the Lord. Well, uh, this past Sunday, as we were studying the Word together, we found out that virtually every letter that the Apostle Paul wrote, every epistle that he wrote, and every book in the Bible we have that, that Peter wrote, and also even the book of Revelation, they all contained a certain phrase in the greetings. 
You may remember what that phrase was, uh, uh, and, and uh, if you don't remember, we're going to read it again in the book of Philippians. If you'll look in the book of Philippians, in chapter 1, this phrase is contained in verse 2. So let's begin to read with verse 1 and verse 2. Um, Paul and Timothy, Philippians 1, verse 1, Paul and Timothy, bond servants of Jesus Christ, that means uh, servants by choice, it literally means slaves by choice of Jesus Christ. To all the saints in Christ Jesus who are in Philippi with the bishops and deacons. Number two, verse two. This is the phrase that is in each epistle. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as I said, based on the Acts 16 account, we can well understand that the church in Philippi was filled with a very strong sort of believer. You know, uh, many of them having either been prison guards or incarcerated in prison, uh, they made up a, 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 a particular collective. It seems as though from Acts 16 account that the businessmen and the city magistrates really did not like the Apostle Paul in that city. He had cost them some money, some of the business people. He had also, you know, made, made a fool, as it were, out of the magistrates and the city managers because the, they had had him stripped and beaten and he was a Roman citizen and they stood in danger of being called to Rome and punished themselves, especially if if he had just complained about that, they would have been beaten like they beat him. The mayor, the city council, drug out and beaten in public, stripped naked and cast into prison because they had beaten this Roman citizen. So they may have had, you know, a little fear of him, but indication is they really didn't like him. But the prisoners with whom Paul had been incarcerated, the jailers, he changed their lives because of what he did, because of what he chose to do. Because in his midnight hour, because in his difficulty, because when he could have drawn back and sat back and said, woe is me, I've been treated unfairly, you know, you know, you know everybody hates me, nobody loves me, I guess I'll go eat worms. Little ones, big ones, fat ones, skinny ones, ones that wiggle and squirm, y'all know the, you know, woe is me. I have noted that often when people get saved from a life of crime or a life of sin, when, when hard sinners get saved, many times they get radically saved. And those who were all-out sinners often become sold-out saints. Have you noticed that? I have. People that were really, really, really good at sinning, <laughs> when they change, everybody notices it. You know what? They don't mind going and telling their friends about it. They don't mind getting in somebody's face. They've been in somebody's face every day for all their life. They don't mind getting in somebody's face and saying, look, I've changed. You need to change. You need Jesus. You know, have you ever run into one of those, you know, uh, who was a, you know, a all-out sinner and now he's a sold-out saint and he's, he's telling you that you need to change your life? This is one of the reasons we never want to give up on sinners. When notorious sinners get saved, like Zacchaeus, a notorious sinner, he does not mind making it public that something happened to him and that Jesus changed his life. 
At any rate, the Apostle Paul found himself inspired by the Holy Spirit to write some fairly direct words to the church in Philippi because I have a feeling they were kind of a direct kind of people. You know, you know what I mean? Some people you kind of politically encourage them to change. And some people, Jude says, you just, you know, you hate even the garment stained with sin and you're right in their face and, you know, boom. Well, the Apostle Paul is going to deliver a boom or two in Philippians, in, in, in the letter to Philippi. And so uh, tonight, for the sake of time, uh, we want to expound on just a few of these timeless truths of God's Word. Why? Because God wants us to have grace and peace in our lives. He wants us to operate in His grace and for us to have peace in our lives. And uh, grace is the ability to do and be what we could not do and be without God. We need God to, to, to do what we should do and to be what we should be. We need Him. We need more of God's grace. And the way we get more of God's grace is our responsibility in getting closer to Him. Grace is available. Do you know salvation is available today? Uh, you've heard it now. I, I don't mean to sound mean, but it's your fault if you don't get it. If you don't reach out and take it. Jesus said, if you had not have known, you would have had excuse. But once you know, you have no excuse. Now, we know that God is good and loving and kind and gentle. The Apostle Paul is going to deliver some direct words here. So, uh, you know, these truths still apply to our lives today. If we want more of God's grace... You know, sometimes the salvation we need, I'm not talking about the eternal salvation of our soul, but sometimes the salvation we need is a salvation that we can afford. All we need to do is get closer to him. Sometimes the deliverance of our soul. Sometimes, you know, the freedom that we need from the stinking thinking that's dominated our lives and directed us and driven us into a hole or pulled us back into a deep, dark place. It's our responsibility to take hold of the Word of God and to do something about it. And that's what the Apostle Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. Look here uh, in, in, in Philippians, the second chapter in verse 1. Uh, listen to what the Apostle Paul is saying. Therefore, if there is any consolation in Christ... Okay, now think about this. If there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation... It, you know, if there is any benefit in Christ, if you have found any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if there's any fellowship of the Spirit, if there's any koinonia, if there's any relationship at all that you have with Christ or with other believers, if you have found anything good from coming to Christ... If any affection in mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, by thinking alike, thinking the same thing, having the same love, being of one accord and one mind. He's talking about two basic things here. He's talking about love and unity, how important it is to walk in love and to stay unified as believers. 
so that we can, can promote the same gospel, so that we can understand the same thing. Because don't you know there were a lot of opinionated people in that church in Philippi? Look what he says in verse 3. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit. That, that's that's kind of, you know, I mean, if I were to write you a letter and I started off, you know, dear church member, stop doing things that are selfish and prideful. Set your pride aside. Don't you know that you're, own, you're, you're your own worst enemy? You would think, well, I'm never going to that church again. How dare him talk to me that way? The Apostle Paul is speaking by the anointing and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he says, listen, if, if, if you have received any exhortation, any encouragement, if, you have, if you've received anything, any amount of love, any amount of comfort, any amount of fellowship, have you, I mean, any affection, any mercy, you know, then come on now. Come on, put a smile on my face and have the same love and be like-minded and, and be in one accord and one mind. Let nothing, don't do things out of it's just me. It's about me. It's all about me. Me, 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 me. It's all about me, yeah. Come on now. Those of you out there listening to me, I know it's not you. It's probably somebody sitting in here that the Lord's talking to. But, uh, but just think about it. If it's all about you, it's selfish. How much of your hurt, your decision, your pain, your problem are you carrying around from the past that's hurting you right now and hurting others? And the Apostle Paul's words are fresh. But rather than being conceited, prideful, selfish, he said, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Hold on a second. You're saying that I should prefer my brother? Yes. We should esteem others better than ourselves. Oh, my goodness. Let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. This is the Holy Spirit telling us how we can get closer to God. And he's talking to us about something we can do. Something we can do. With God's help, we can do this. Let this mind be in you, which also was in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God... That doesn't mean that he was, you know, in a physical image like God. It means that he was like God. He was filled with glory and majesty, who being in the form of God, in all of his glory, he did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but yet he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. He didn't take the selfish road. He didn't make it all about him. He made it all about others. He esteemed you better and more important than himself. He died for you. Why? Because you were more important than he was in his mind. Even though he was like God, he considered you more important. Even though he was in all of his glory, he considered you worth his whole life. 
and let this mind be in you, which he had, that we look at others and say, you know, they're worth my work. They're worth my effort. They're worth my energy. It's not all about me. Let me make it about them. Let me make this about someone else. Let me make my, my problem, my concern, my moment. Let me make it about someone else. What does someone else need? Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, listen to what God did, because he cared so much about others. God has highly exalted him. That's what God said he will do. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and he will exalt you in due time. Don't make it all about yourself. God highly exalted him, and he gave Jesus the name, which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every, uh, uh, of, of those in heaven and those in earth and those under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Um, you can go ahead and read. Basically, he's just encouraging them. Listen, when I was there right in front of you and walking with you and side by side with you, you did good. But now can you do okay on your own, he said. Can you be depended on to do okay without somebody walking right with you and holding your hand? Be responsible, he said. Because it's God, verse 13, who works in you to will and do of his good pleasure. Verse 14, do all things without murmuring and complaining. Well, he's talking to a group of people here who no doubt are very familiar with complaint. You know, I bet a lot of them while they were in jail were writing their appeals, complaining about their treatment. He said, listen, I need you to grow up a little bit. Your next step is a big one. And your next step is a big one. It's stepping out of it being about you and making it about others who don't know him. Why? Well, if we're going to grow and walk in the grace of God, then we need to begin to apply truth to our life. And although we do not get saved by works, it is works that save us. Someone else's work. Someone else's work saved me. Am I working to be the example I need to be so that every day someone can be delivered through the efforts I'm giving. I hope you hear my heart tonight. My heart tonight is very simple. It takes work. And it's not easy. Faith does not make things easy. Faith makes things possible. The grace of God will not make it easy. It will make it possible. But God's grace is sufficient. Make things, make life, make your tomorrow less about you and more about others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Because the moment we become selfish and conceited, we begin to lose peace with God, peace with others, 
and peace with ourselves. Hey, thanks again for joining us for another powerful message from Pastor Ron Hemmons. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.